My name is Dr. Ruth Mary Allen, and this is my podcast, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. Our world has become a minefield for our children to get the best out of their brain and whole body health, which is why I founded the Wellbeing Warrior Academy to help them navigate this minefield effectively. Right now, if you go to www.wellbeingwarrioracademy.com and use the code PODCAST10, you can get 10% off all programmes. That's www.wellbeingwarrioracademy.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout. Now, let's get back to this week's episode of Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am really looking forward to this conversation with the amazing Ken Rusk, who joins me on the show today. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. I appreciate you having me. You're most welcome. And for those that don't know Ken, um, he is a blue-collar construction entrepreneur and best-selling author of the book Blue Collar Cash which I'm loving reading. It's taken me right back to my construction days. He spent the last 30 years creating and building construction businesses. His mission is now to help inspiring entrepreneurs uh, see their way to success. And I'm honestly, I really enjoying reading your book because it's so practical, the, the advice that you, that you give and so relatable as well, I think, that... Um, it's something that everybody can pick up and apply, and be, and because it's it ties into something that we're all familiar with, which is building things. Um, it's easy to see how we can apply that in life. Well, you know, for me, uh, you know, if, if you were sitting at my desk right now, you'd see a a, a little post-it note that says "Keep it simple," and um, it just seems to me that. You know, some of the most simple advice that we have um, out in the world is is passed over for all this super complicated advice. You know, things that, you know, um, require you to to go through all these situations in order to arrive at a conclusion. And I just strip a lot of that away and say, let's just keep it really simple and try to put some stuff out there that I think people can actually use. Yeah. Do you know, I think that's so important. And I think that's the power of books and the power of advice that we can get over the internet. And, you know, I know we were talking a little bit about what do I do <laughs> before we before we started recording. And I kind of think like I've come from a scientific background and it's almost like the scientists have a desire to make them make everything so complicated that you have to have three or four degrees in order to understand what they're actually saying. And even then you can't understand what someone's saying. So the whole information just gets lost because it's not articulated in a very simple, digestible way. And I think it's so important, particularly in today's world, where people need small bite-sized chunks of information that they can digest and apply, is to make things simple and to really keep it simple. Because that makes it actionable, doesn't it? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I think one of the reasons that my book has been so successful, and I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed to, to have that happen. I didn't think this book would go 10 feet, much less the 10 miles that it's gone. But, you know, when you think about um, comfort, peace, and freedom and life advice from a ditch digger, which is basically what I am, it's ironic. So people are like, well... Why would I listen to a ditch digger? I mean, what what on earth could he possibly have to tell me? And I think that's part of the I think that's part of the, the success of it is is it's not a person that has 15 letters after their name and, and all these degrees and whatnot. It's it's just a it's just a simple life work. And um, I think that's what makes it makes it go is the fact that uh, it's a little bit ironic. Like, what would I have to say? And, and so, um, yeah, that's what keeps it interesting, I guess. And I'd love to know before we we dive into your story that that you know sits around the book and, and what you're doing now. What what are you really passionate about in life right now? You know, I, I'm I've been very blessed, and and even before this book, my world was pretty good. I, I worked very hard for a long time, and I built some companies, and 
And that's been really, really great. I think my passion right now is to cut the learning curve for others because, you know, there's so many things that you bounce through and break through and struggle with. And, and, you know, you try to stay above water and you try to do all these things. And then you learn this stuff and you look back and go, wow, I wish I'd have known that back then. So for me, it's all about trying to get everyone to realize that almost any one of us can be an entrepreneur. Almost any one of us can be successful. We just have to start with the reason why. And I think that's the important thing. So many times we get caught up in living if then lives, you know, like if I go to high school and if I get good grades and if I get a scholarship and if I get, a, uh, uh, you know, go into a college and if I get a degree and then if I get this great paying job, well, then I can start living my life. I think it's the opposite of that. I think we should all really look and focus on what's my then. Let's start with the then and then find one of the many ways to get there. And I, I think that's the difference because what your brain sees, it attracts itself to. It's very powerful. And uh, we start out with a clear vision of what we want our lives to look like. That's the whole purpose for even me writing this book is to get people to understand you got to use that visual side of your brain a lot more. Otherwise, you know, life is going to happen to you instead of you happening to life, which is really the goal. I think that's so true, isn't it? And I think it's very easy when we kind of have our whole life ahead of us um, to not feel the need to create a vision. Because you think, well, I can do that later, <laughs> you know, I, it, it, or it will come to me. Um, but but you have to take the time to do the work, don't you, to visualise what what do I want my life to look like five, ten years from now? Where where do I want to be? Uh, who do I want to be with? How do I want to show up? And it's quite hard for some people to do that, isn't it? Well, this is an interesting statistic. So um, Virginia Tech in the United States did a study and they took 100 people and they put them in a room and they said, OK, raise your hand if you have crystal clear goals. OK. And only about 20 of the people raised their hand. So the 80 left and there's 20 left. OK, of the 20 that are here, still here, how many of you write your goals down, like write them down? Only four people of the 20 admitted to actually writing their goals down. And then of that four, how many of you have those goals posted up on your wall in crystal clear fashion so you see them every day? Only one person out of that 100 people did that. And so it's first off, it's free to do this. It's fun to do this. You know, you don't need any training to do this. And yet so few people do it. And it's one of, it's one of those things where I go back to keeping life simple. I mean, if I know what my perfect nirvana is or what I call in my book, I call it comfort, peace and freedom. It's like a triangle. If I know what that looks like, then I'm going to naturally attract myself to that through my actions, through my job choices, through the money I make. And as you see yourself completing that puzzle, as you see that starting to fill in, you become so much more powerful that if you need more or you need to, you know, if you need to to get more sophisticated, it just kind of happens to you because you've you felt that success and you felt yourself growing. And it all started with what do I want my life to look like? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and remember, we're not all going to chase 15 cars and mega yachts and McMansions and, you know, being rap stars or being professional <laughs> sports people. But we all have this perfect idea of what our unique life could be or what it should be or what you want it to be. So why not draw that out and keep it in front of you so that you naturally attract yourself to it? Because again, what your brain sees, it tends to complete. Mm. Yeah, I really agree. And I can really relate to that in the, you know, just taking it right back to basics is when my husband and I had this dream of ski touring across the Alps. So we kind of set that as our vision. And um, and then you can't you naturally go, well, what do I need to do to get there? You know, what do I need to do to accomplish it? Uh, and then you start breaking it down don't you? and working backwards to the incremental steps you need to take each day in order to achieve that dream that you set for yourself. There's and when you do that, it's so you accomplish it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, th there, there's a big difference between a goal and a path. So if I if I asked you to take out some crayons and a piece of paper, and if I asked you to draw a goal, you couldn't do it because it's just a it's a vague concept. Or I, if I asked you to draw a path, you could draw that, right? 
there's a path, there's trees, there may be sunlight coming through, there's there's dirt that you're walking on, whatever, right? Yeah. So you can actually do that. And that's the challenge. I mean, so many times we get locked in this, someday I'm going to have a goal. Well, if you if you break that down, that means nothing because some someday never comes. So in 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 the book I talk about, I've never built the skyscraper before, but if I did, that was a lesson I learned a long time ago. And basically what it says is walk yourself through it. So I've never built a skyscraper before, but if I did, I'd probably need some land. Okay. I've never done that before, but the next step would probably be to find an architect maybe. And if you keep doing this and keep going through it, eventually you will have, you know, building materials and you'll have a construction company and you'll have, you know, all the things that are the permits and everything that you need. And by the time you keep it, by the 15th question, you've already built the building even though you've never done it before. And I, I think that's that's what's so important about what you did with your ski trip. You know, I'm starting with the end in mind and I'm working my way back to now. Now, what are the incremental steps or what's the path to get there? And, mm-hmm. and that's where people fail because their goals remain in a state of dreamland or wishville or hopeville. You know what I mean? They never get to the concrete steps it takes to get them done. And that's where, that's where people tend to stumble. Mm. Yeah, I, I I completely agree, and um, I'd love to know because we because we're going to talk about brain health in this context, and uh, and the framework that you use, which I think is beautiful, is what what is optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of the journey you've been on to realize your dreams that you've set for yourself. Well, th- that's a great question. You know, I, I've been on. I don't know, 150 or so of these podcasts, and I love doing them, but this is the first time I've been asked that question. So thank you for that. That's a really great question. I think it's real simple. I mean, I, I go back to I go back to do I have do I have the, the mindset to be spontaneous? Okay. Think of what it takes to be spontaneous. You need to have gotten rid of all the other stressors in your life, okay, at that very moment. Do I have the ability to be anticipatory? And what I mean by that is. You know how good we are at anticipating vacations, okay? You know, you're in some frozen place like Ohio in February, and you can't wait to go on spring break in in Florida, right? So you're anticipating three months from now uh, in April or May, I'm going to have my feet in the sand. I'm going to have my beach chair. I'm going to have my umbrella. I'm going to feel the breeze of the ocean. I'm going to hear that sound. I'm going to see the palm trees maybe have the smell of that suntan lotion on my hands. You anticipate what that's going to feel and look and taste and smell like, right? So if, if, we, if we're all so good at anticipating a break, a mental break, like a vacation, why can't we be good at anticipating all things in life, things that are 1, 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and just put those all on tracks to completion in a very clear way? So I think optimal brain health for me is just being anticipatory, having the having the ability to think in an anticipatory way so that spontaneity and those ideas can just kind of show up. Yeah. Do you know, no one's ever mentioned anticipatory or spontaneity in their definition of 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 optimal brain health for them. And I really love that because it's really forward thinking, isn't it? And it's putting you back in the driving seat. So in order to anticipate, you have to anticipate something or or someone. So you're already framing your mindset into what do I want um, in order to anticipate it. And the best part about it is the the you know the power of anticipation is almost like the current in a river. So you you get on your little inner tube, and when you have when you have something you're anticipating. That that takes you so it gets you out of bed and drags you along because anticipation has a power to it, especially to us as human beings. So I just love the fact that it kind of pushes me along a little bit like the current in a river. Right. Yeah. So it, it's hard. It's hard to get up every single day and be your own best cheerleader. So that's why it's nice to have these things that whether it's one, three, five, 10, 15, 20 years, these things all drag you along and they, they kind of they kind of give you some current in your life. And I, I just think that's a power that most people go untapped with. And I, I think they should, they should um, really endeavor to get there because it's just a easier, better way to live. Yeah. And, and I love your river analogy because I used to be a kayak instructor and 
you know, you see people who bob down the river, don't you? Yeah. Who who aren't looking in the direction of travel that the the current is going, and they're just a victim to the current. They've got they're not taking control of it. Sure. Whereas when you're anticipating, you're anticipating your next move in the current of life, and so you 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 can choose to take a break, like you mentioned, and break out into an eddy, or you can choose to ride the waves, um, or you you know you can you can choose to go fast or slow, whatever. Um, but that's within your control. And I think a lot of people in life bob along, don't they? And they're, they're a victim to the current that they're in rather than well, leveraging the power of the current to, to, yeah, to help it goes, them get where they want to go. It goes back to, you know, life either happens to you or you happen to life, right? You can live a reactionary life, reaction to all the stimulus that comes at you, which means the stimulus is in control. Or you can live a proactionary life, which is, you're in control of the stimulus, right? So I just think for me, you know, looking back on the things that I've done, being able to control my input, which allows me to control my output and the quality of that output, being able to control my, you know, the quality and, and, and the timing and the completion, to be able to control my day, my schedule, you know, when and how I work, and ultimately, to control my financial gain, which puts me in control of my future. You've heard me use the word control now about nine times. And I just think that's, that's huge because, you know, you, you got 90 years on this planet if you're lucky, right? Mm. And what I've learned in, in burning over half of those, <laughs> unfortunately, is, is the fact that, yeah, it's, it's up to you to create the life that you want. I mean, you can listen to what other people have to say. And you can listen to what history and experience tells us. But it's ultimately up to you to control all of those inputs, outputs, and whatever to make the life that you want. And, and, and it always starts. You know, Elon Musk is a great guy. Stephen Jobs is a great guy. Bill, great, Bill Gates is a great guy. What do they all have in common? They have the ability to see things better than most, right? But all of us have the ability to see what our favorite things are in life. Okay, our favorite color, our favorite car, mm. our favorite pet, our favorite, you know, domestic situation, whatever. They have the ability to see things, but so do we. We just have to use that side of our brain and we're not taught to do that. So we're taught to react to things instead of proact, like I said before. So I just think being able to see things is so important. And, um, you know, vision is something that is part of my nine characteristics of being an entrepreneur. You know, things like you know, faith and courage and humility and initiative and persistence and resilience, but vision, it all starts with that. If you don't see it, you can't get there. I love that. And I think, I think we're very good at having a vision, aren't we, when we're young, because we, we really tap into the power of our imagination. It might not be a vision that's real <laughs> when we're little, because, you know, if I ever talk to my daughter, Lily, who's only four, you'll know. <laughs> You know that she has visions that are beyond right. the art of the possible, but we somehow get get shut down, don't we? That's, well, I don't you know, know when it happens in life, but it tends to happen. I think as we progress towards adult life, that we can't have a vision, or we don't give our children that permission to dream, uh, and they get put on this path that that the society has decided for them. Uh, and suddenly they find themselves, like you mentioned in your story, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of these people that you just end up going through education after education, um, and and not actually getting into the workforce until much later in life, or getting the learning that you get in the workforce until later in life, wondering, you know, what what was the value of all of the, of the education that I had in the first place? And could I have started, you know, work sooner? Well, yeah, there's a couple of things there that, that I could unpack. First off, I think in, when I coach people in my, in my company, one of the things that we do is we get a poster board and some crayons and we have them draw what they want their life to look like. Like, what's your nirvana? And the reason I use crayons, and I kind of insist upon that, is the last time you had a crayon in your hand is probably the most creative point in your life. Like you said, your daughter, Lily, she's four. <laughs> and 
you know, you ask them to draw something from nothing, draw a horse or draw a rocket or draw a sunrise, whatever, and they can do it. So I, I have these adults using crayons to draw. What would my favorite house look like? What would my favorite transportation look like? What would my charity moment look like if I had a hundred dollars, you know, giving away my time, treasure and talents? What would that look like? What would be my um, my health moment? What would be my sport? What would be my vacation? So, you know, would I want a, 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 a pet? Would I want a dog or a cat? And what color and what would you name it? Right. So when you get real specific like that, you end up painting this picture just like you would when you were four. And yeah. you, you fall back in love with being the creative side, the visionary side of your mind. And I just think it's very, very important to do that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think we give ourselves that permission to pause and be creative, do we? Because we kind of get stuck on the hamster of li- hamster wheel of life. Yeah. Uh, and we don't take that time to pause mentally uh, and check in with ourselves and be be that creative person and, you know, set that vision for our future. You know, a, a lot of times when you build puzzles as an adult, I mean, what do you do? You you take it out of the box, you put the puzzle pieces down, and the first thing you do is you look for all the square ones, right? So you can build the edge, right? It's it's what everybody does. So then you take the rest of the pieces and you start to fill in the middle. Now, what do you need in order to fill that middle in? You need the box because on the cover of the box is the picture. I would venture to say you couldn't build that puzzle without the picture. Now, maybe if you were on a deserted island and you had 20 years, you could eventually figure it out without the picture. But in most cases, you need a vision to start with. And I say life is the exact same way. If I could make the puzzle look like the vision for what I want my my life to look like, then all I have to do is fill in those pieces one at a time. And it's it's a path that you're on. So for, for people that are stuck, they're usually stuck because they don't have that why. So all of those characteristics of the entrepreneur that I believe are within all of us are like stuck in the closet behind the shoes that you haven't worn in a long time. And <laughs> y- y- the only thing that's going to bring that out, the only thing that's going to clean that closet and have you rediscover those those characteristics is a reason why, a very powerful clear vision or picture just like the cover of a puzzle box and that that's why i think it's so important that people get in touch with that side of their brain yeah i i totally agree and i'd lo- i'd love to take uh, to go back to your childhood now when you when you realized you had the ability to create that vision for yourself and i know you mentioned that you know control is a key word um is there a time when you realized that you were not in control or you could take back control yeah, so when I was probably um, 13, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with, I had a lot of facial surgeries. I had what's known as a cleft palate. And I was very lucky because I was treated by one of the founders of Operation Smile. It was a long, long time ago. And um, I was a pretty horrible looking little monster when I, <laughs> when I was born. And so I went through facial surgeries to correct that. And I used to get bullied in high school. And I, I remember I used to get bullied. And, you know, it's it, kids, that's what kids do. It's not right. It's mean. But um, it's it's something that, unfortunately, you have to go through sometimes. And I remember one day where they were, I was getting picked on and I was talking to a group of, of people, a couple of girls and, and one of my friends. And I was getting picked on by this bully. So I decided I had enough. I'm going to turn the tables. And I made fun of myself. I said, you know, you're right. I am this scary monster that you keep talking about. You're right. That's exactly what I am. And the half the group I was with was horrified at this guy because what he was doing to me. And the other half was like pitied him because they were laughing because of what I had done. So I realized at that moment that the power of humor is is very, very is something very important that you can take to create control in situations and to deflect. And um, so, yeah, for me, that was that was one time that I knew, wow, if I can get ahead of this instead of being at the uh, <laughs> at the reaction or the reactionary side, um, that would be very beneficial. And, and 
from that moment on, I, I just kind of used humor to get me through a lot of different things. Mm. And, you know, I love that. And humor is one of my core values <laughs> because I think you need it in life, don't you, to to navigate difficult times. And I love the fact that you were able to use it and to know that you were back in control of the situation by, you know, by I, leveraging I, that attribute. A friend of mine told me once that having a great sense of humor is a sign of genius. And I, I, I think he was trying to give me a compliment that I don't deserve at all. But um, it was interesting because he said, most people aren't willing to take the risk that humor requires. I thought, well, that's interesting because when you are putting yourself out there in a funny way, when you are trying to create a funny situation or you're you're exposing what's already a funny situation. And believe me, there's a lot of funny situations in this world, obviously. You're taking a risk because that could fall flat. It, yeah. it could fall flat for yourself or the person that you're, you're, you're doing this humor with could not understand it or even be offended by it. So yeah, I, I think, I think humor is, is my, it's, it's my weapon of choice. And, and I mean that in a positive way. Um, it, because I, I just help. I think it helps diffuse a lot of stress and tension in life. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's a pretty powerful tool. Yeah, I think it's also an art, though, isn't it? It's not something that you know you can't pick up. I don't think you can. I'm not really. <laughs> you can't kind of pick up a book and go, "Oh, yeah, that's how I can be funny." <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it comes from some area that you need to fix in your own self. <laughs> but uh, I, and I'd love to know. Obviously, you know, that was really pivotal pivotal for you in life. How did that shape your traje trajectory? I can't say that word either. Um, uh, that put you on the path that you, you, you went on? Well, again, I think, I think once I learned that I could control situations, you know what I mean? And, and again, it, these are not always good situations. You could, once I learned that I could control negative situations or stressful situations, um, once I learned that anger is a choice and fear is a choice and frustration is a choice and there are split second choices sometimes, but there's still decisions that we make. And once I learned that, you know, I can't put I can't have joy if I've got anger. I can't have spontaneity if I have frustration. I can't have wonderment or discovery if I have fear. So I I, I realize that those are those are like a, a nightclub, and and there's a there's a bouncer out front, and he he's only going to allow as many people in as people come out, right? Because there's only so much room in this club. And I even wrote about this in in my book about. How I think emotions are choices, and I think that um, you have to be careful because one takes the place of another. But once you realize that you can decide on joy versus you know anger or fear, frustration, that puts you in a whole nother world because now you're like, oh, okay, so I can control my emotions. I thought my emotions just happened to me, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a very important point because. I could have chosen to cower in life and hide behind my my affliction, uh, if you will, or I could choose to say, you know, the heck with it. I'm going to go out there and, and and get forward and get ahead of this and and you know control the outcome of things. And I think um, that started my whole career, actually. Mm. I, I I love that, and I you know the the point about emotions is 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 so important because. We do have a choice. We always have a choice. And and yes, other people may uh, incite us to feel a certain way, but we can ultimately choose how we want to react in in a situation. Um, and I think also emotions, you know, psychologically, they're a sign that telling us to move towards or away from something. And so we have a choice to take action against with that emotion and use it to help us because anger can be a good emotion because <laughs> it can incite us to take positive action um which, which i'd love to talk about in a little bit but it can incite us to take positive action that's going to help us or help others um or we can use it against ourselves so it's understanding how you can leverage the power of your emotion to to help you and often we don't think about that is how can we use the the emotion that we're experiencing in a helpful way rather than a, a harmful way 
And when we use it to help us, we are dissipating it. So we might choose to just ignore it, which is helpful if it's, it's, you know, what mum might call a negative emotion and just let it dissipate. But we ultimately have that choice, don't we? Yeah, and I think you make it... I think you make an important point there because not only are these emotions a choice, but, you know, once you decide to put, again, joy into your head and take out frustration or fear or anger, then you can actually focus on how powerful joy can be. So it's not just replacing one emotion for the other. It's it's beyond that. It's It's now putting, you know, the horsepower of that to work for you so that you can say, man, I'm, I'm really loving being spontaneous in this moment right now. Okay. I'm really loving being anticipatory in this moment right now. Um, it just feels really good. And I have all these positive, cool emotions coming up now because of the way I'm choosing to think. So I'm going to ride that wave. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the power of those emotions to help me stay there and to create great things. And um, versus the opposite of that, because, you know, you can also get stuck in, living in a place that's dark, you know, and um, until you realize that that's powerful too. And until you realize that those are choices, it's, it's, it's a tough way to live. Mm. And I agree. And I think also as to how you frame that emotion, because we have think, you know, emotions, if you think about coming, going on a stage, some people are super anxious and some people are excited, but actually the heart races in the same way yeah. for anxiousness and excitement. But the but the chosen outcome or how you choose to respond to that emotion can be very different. One, you want to get away from the anxiety and you don't want to go on stage. And the other, you're leveraging that heart racing to get you out there. And I think we often can, we have a choice to frame the feelings that we experience physically inside of us into an emotion that's going to help us, if that makes sense, um, to to move us forward as well. Um, like yeah. you just said, you know, the power of our thoughts. We choose. We can choose to label the feelings that we're having with the name for the emotion, and that can completely change our trajectory. You know, it, it's um, it's that's a great point because even in even in a sport as calm as golf, which I'm addicted to, okay. <laughs> it, it, I, I wish I wish you could put a heart monitor on the golfers as they're nearing the 18th hole and they have to hit it over water to win a tournament. You know what I mean? Because you're right. There's there's a fight, uh, you know, fight or flight kind of reaction where your you know, your heart rate increases and your muscles constrict and the, all the all the blood goes to your center and you're trying to breathe and and everything else. But, you know. Those guys are good because instead of running away from that, like in going and hiding in the crowd because it's stressful, they take that and say, okay, I'm going to turn this into a hyper focus scenario and, and then take that, that calm and hit that ball onto the green. So I've faced that all the time. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to have a good score or you want to beat up on one of your friends or whatever. You know, you get that coming down hole 16, 17, 18. And the way to control that is is through realizing that that's a choice and, 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 and corralling that to your positivity versus the negative side. So there's a lot of places in life that that happens to us. We just have to learn that even though we feel like, you know, it's an automatic response, fight or flight. It's still something that we can control and turn into a positive. I'd love to dive into the um, part of your story you mentioned in the book where you really had to control your emotions from a family perspective uh, associated with the experience um, that you found yourself in with your daughter. Would you be willing to share that story? Yeah, so when my daughter was 12, uh, she came to us and said that she she couldn't really see well out of, out of her, out of her eye. And um, yeah, that was tough because, you know, you go from, well, it's probably nothing to, you know, well, it's only something small to, well, it's, it's, it's something we need to treat. And the more you learn, the worse the news becomes. And then you realize that she's got, you know, she's got cancer and it, it's, it's devastating because, you know, you would give your own life and trade in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? 
And it's something that, you know, I'm good at fixing things. I run companies and I'm good at controlling things, but this is not something that I could fix or control, which was maddening. And so, yeah, you go through um, this, this kind of like, why is this happening? You know, why her, why not me? You know, why couldn't I, I again, trade places with or whatever. And so you, from that, you know, you're, you have a lot of time to think. I mean, we spent several years, um, you know, worrying about that. And I mean, she's fine now, but it was a scary five years and, you know, you're in and out of hospital rooms and waiting rooms and, you know, the clinical side of things. And, um, you begin to think about, okay, well, what's, what's kind of important in life here? Like if I could teach her something right now, what would I teach her? So the words comfort, peace, and freedom just kept showing up in my mind. I couldn't get rid of them. I, I don't know why those three, I don't know what, why it wasn't one or four, but it was those three. And they kept showing up in like a triangle form, like as if one was interdependent up, upon the other. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started writing a letter to her um, about what I thought was important and what I thought we should all be chasing in life. If we're going to chase something, what should we do? And um, that turned into a, a lot of words, that, that, that letter. And then um, my wife was at the same time thinking, you know, what you've got here is something that you should share with others. I mean, get it beyond the four walls of your company and, and your coaching and everything that you do about outlook in, in life and vision maybe you should write a book. And so I, I took that experience and turned it into an opportunity to share what I could with, you know, the rest of the world. And um, she and Nicole is, is the, one of the bravest people that I know. And um, uh, the way she came through it, the way she chose to come through, you know, losing half of her sight and, and, and going through that process and battling that disease is it's something it, it's something I wouldn't wish upon anybody. And yet to watch her do it and the positivity that she had and the not feeling sorry for herself that she had was nothing short of miraculous. And it just, it, it helped craft what, uh, what I actually, I, what I eventually did with writing the book. Mm, I love that. And I wonder also whether you um, acted as a role model in that uh, process for her, because obviously you, you, you focused on, what you could do with yourself in in the world irrespective of you know you being perceived as a monster when you were little and were and, and working through the operations and so on that you had to go through as a as a child yourself uh and get through the outcome the other side did did do you think you know you're I know it's a difficult question to answer but do you think that played a part in how she framed it for herself uh, wow. First off, again, congratulations. That's another awesome question. It really is. I, I've actually never really thought about that connection, but I mean, it does make sense. Um, what I will tell you is I, I remember thinking, okay, Nicole, um, you know, we're all going to go through three, maybe four very, very difficult, terrible things in life. I mean, maybe, you know, we're all going to see these things and experience these things and have to deal with these things. And, you know, you got one of your three out of the way. OK, so, you know, it's it's um, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I tried to take things that had happened to me and, and, and things that were happening to her. And just again, like you said, frame it into some positive side. And um, again, she's she's a, a special kid because she was kind of the the parent in all this, you know, Nancy and I were suffering through this and yet she was strong enough to say, Hey, we're going to be fine. We're going to make, we're going to be good. And uh, so she was, her strength was an inspiration. There's no question. But um, do I think that maybe what I went through helped um, frame it? Yeah. Maybe it helped me frame the conversation a little bit. Um, but uh, again, good, good, good question. And I'm, I'm just glad that she's uh, happy and healthy and, and all that for now. So. And I think, you know, I love the way you talk about what she's gone on to accomplish, you know, in spite of, um, you know, her, her limited vision and be, being the the top in her class or, um, for, you know, she went on to do an ar- architectural uh, degree, didn't she? And Yeah, she, well, first off, I mean, 
you know, again, getting back to golf, her and I and, and, and Nancy shared that sport when she was younger and um, she didn't let that phase her. I mean, even with half her vision, she was captain of the golf team and, and uh, <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, if you've ever played that sport, it's amazing. So, but yeah, she was, she was like, uh, she was like, I'm, I can go out and accomplish anything that I want to accomplish. And, yeah. and um, she was very focused. She went on, on to become an architect and then she got her master's degree um, in, in architecture. And, uh, and now she's, she's, you know, helping us run a, one one of the businesses. So it, it's, it's really something to watch what she has accomplished. And it's, again, it's a testament to, you know, you have a choice. You can take this affliction or this setback or whatever you want to call it. And you can allow it to control what your future dictate to dictate your future, or you can allow it to, you know, give you some type of boost into the positive side of the emotion spectrum. And she chose to do that. And it's, it's actually helping her helping her out quite a bit. Yeah. We actually had Aaron Golub on the, on the show and he's completely blind uh, and he's an NFL player. Um, so he's, he's the only blind NFL player. So it's just, you know, that's what he wanted to do and he wasn't going to let his um, disability get, get in the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing if you put your mind to it, you can you accomplish extraordinary things. Well, just imagine people that like Stevie Wonder. I mean, think of how difficult it is to play the piano with full sight and then to be able to hit all those keys, you know, perfectly every time. I, I don't get it. I mean, it just goes to show you again how powerful your, you know, your the mind can be even absent of some of, uh, of your, of your senses. I mean, it, it, it just is really a testament to all the people that have, have not only survived, but thrived through those scenarios. So yeah, I'm always impressed by that. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to dive into your dad's story and then dive into your story from a blue collar worker perspective is, mm. you know, obviously your dad wasn't going to take no for an answer. I think that seems to be a trait in your family. <laughs> <laughs> in the context of opportunities that presented themselves to him in in the workplace, would you mind expanding on that and then how that you know translated into into your career and how you grew your career to where it is today? Well, you know, if, if you can imagine somebody being twelve years old and they get up in the morning and they would take a, a you know a train and then they would take a bus and then they would take a cab into the city to work at 12. I mean, 13, that's, that's pretty crazy. I don't, I don't see many kids this in this day and age doing that or even being allowed to do that. Obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So he had a lot of jobs. I mean, he, he started and he worked and he did a lot of different things and, you know, uh, you, you, he would share that those stories with us and it created a picture of like a work ethic in our minds. Right. And then, he was a Marine Corps vet. Uh, he, he, um, he was in the Marines for a couple of years and um, uh, he, he never saw any, any action, but what he went through just to become a Marine is, is grueling. It's, it's brutal. And um, so one of the things that that set off for us is, you know, he had five boys all under the age of nine <laughs> in his house. So <laughs> that's me and my four brothers. So, between my mom and him, they had to run the house like, like an army barracks. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you know, you had to make your bed and it had to be perfect. And, you know, my, he would say, well, no one sits down until your mother sits down after dinner. You know what I mean? So we would have to clean up and do all those things. And there was a discipline and a regimen to that. And, you know, he was a, prof he was a perfectionist. There's no doubt. And, and um, most of the times that was good. Sometimes, you know, it was challenging. But um, I, I think it just instilled in us a, a, a work ethic. And and he did, he, you know, when when we were younger, we didn't have a lot. So, you know, he gave us obviously shelter and food and clothing and all those things. And it was great because he, he was trying to, to make it himself with five boys in a house. Right. So. We didn't know that we that we were, you know, lower class, middle class. We didn't know any of that. We just went out in the yard and played, right? We didn't care. But um, to see his work ethic as he grew and then as he 
became more successful and then became very successful. Um, that was, that was neat to watch. So it kind of set the stage for, you know, what we could do. I mean, if, if you want it, go get it. I mean, it's out there just find a way to make it happen. Mm. And how did you make it happen for yourself personally? You know, obviously you went to school and you raised your, you know, you didn't raise your hand in the context of going to university. Right. And you're like, well, that's cool because, you know, 30% of the class didn't either. How did that frame the scene, you know, set the scene for you going forward to, to be the success that you are today? Well, you know, when I was 15, I went, I mean, I was in high school and there, my high school shared a fence with an industrial park. And, and there was a hole in that fence that we would cut through to get to the carry out after school. And we would hang out there and just do whatever. And I remember going through this parking lot and there was all these businesses there and there was people milling around and there was things that, you know, young kids like there was dump trucks and there was, you know, tow motors and backhoes and equipment and guys running around and a lot of energy. And so my brother had worked there. So um, I went in one day and like, what are we doing here? And so between in, in the summer times, I would work out in the field digging ditches, you know, fixing wet, smelly basements. And in the winter times, I would work in the office. So I kind of got the feel of both sides of the company, you know, the, the front half and the back half. And I did that for three or four years. And then it came time for me to make a decision. Do I go to college or what do I do? And uh, I wasn't planning on going, but it was one of those things where it's like people started saying you had to go or else you'd never make it or whatever. And um, so I had this opportunity to go open companies. Our company was growing so big that we were sending people two, three hours in every direction and we couldn't do that anymore. So we were going to open these franchise offices. So I got the chance to go do that. So at 18, I would travel around the Midwest um, and open these companies for people and start them from scratch and then get them running and then move on to the next one. And so I got to learn how to build a company on somebody else's dime. So that was kind of my, that was kind of my college, if you will. And, uh, I did that for, uh, three or four years. And then, uh, we moved out to Toledo. Um, and, uh, I got tired of living out of a suitcase as they say. So, we opened our own company in 1986 with like six people. And um, I think we have near 200 today. So it, uh, it's been a heck of a ride. And um, what, was the, what was the big differentiator for you in the context of, you know, getting that on the job experience? How did that really help you accelerate in, the, in your journey? Well, first off, I realized that you could start something from scratch and make it work. Okay. And you could repeat that. It was something that it was, it was knowable. Okay. There was a process and a method and you could repeat that. But the other thing was, you know, when you're 18 years old and you're five, eight and you weigh 140 pounds and you have to stare into the eyes of a, of a, of a, of a very experienced plumber who's six, four, 250 and <laughs> He, he's got all these, all this hard hat stuff on and you're telling him what you want and where you want it. You know, you go, <laughs> you go through that experience and pretty quickly you learn what to say and what not to say. So yeah, building out those offices was a lot of fun. It was, it was, you know, with a, there was a lot of anxiety too, but um, getting through that process and learning that you could repeat it because I started with, and we talked about vision before, I started with, well, I need this company to look just like the one that I came from in Ohio. Okay. So I need this company to look the same. So we started with that vision and we just said, okay, we put this room there, put that room there, put this phone there, put that phone there. And then pretty soon we had this, this organization that would get up and it would start running. And um, so, yeah, I think that was the really cool part was first off, knowing I had been there knowing what I wanted it to look like and just, you know, connecting the dots between the two. Yeah. And, um, you know, I want to really dive in um, before we run out of time is the, is the blue collar opportunities that are out there that people kind of can be super dismissive of or don't think they exist. And you kind of have to be this white, 
forgotten that part. I've already forgot blue on. Isn't that ironic? Um, uh, is that you have to be a white collar worker in order to make it in the world, and that's absolutely not true by any stretch of the imagination. No, few people wear collars these days anyway. Um, so I, I'd love, you know, if you could offer some, uh, given the times that we're in now, and people are, you know, many people are struggling, is to what inspiration could you offer for those that don't have a degree um, and, you know, are wondering whether they can make it? What advice would you give to them? Well, first off, let's let supply and demand work for us, okay? Where <laughs> supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes every time. So don't fight supply and demand. Let's just start with that. But how did we get to this supply and demand problem that we have today? Well, it's real simple. So in, in high school, Back in the 80s, they had something called shop class. And in shop class, you could walk down the hallway and watch a guy change a transmission on an old car or see some gal doing someone's hair or someone cooking something or welding something or fixing something or building something or wiring something. And you could see that and you could almost accidentally discover how cool it was to be in the trades. Well, they took all those uh, shop classes out of high school and they replaced those rooms with computers. Now, that's fine. We needed to learn computers, but why was it at the expense of the other? Why couldn't we have yeah. had both, right? So you have that situation where millions of kids now aren't even thinking about the trades because they weren't exposed to them. Yeah. Now you have a situation where instead of getting out into the backyard and building a tree fort with lumber and a hammer and some nails, you know, we're building cities on this thing, right? On, on cell phones. And that's not the same experience at all. So you're not even discovering how to learn tools anymore on your own. Now, if you package those two very powerful forces with the fact that colleges are saying you either go to school or else, I mean, they're, they're influencing parents and teachers and everything in a very powerful way. But I have to tell you, that's creating a blue collar crisis, which goes back to the supply and demand theory. Yeah. You know, it's never been true that you should be looked down upon to be a blue collar worker. It's never been true. And, and now because of the supply and demand problem, it's almost advantageous to become a blue collar worker because we've oversupplied all of these rather bland, nondescript business degrees. <laughs> we've undersupplied people who can do things with their hands. So, and, and I should say, I'm not an anti-college guy. I mean, if you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back out on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick it up. Right. But if you're going to be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or an architect, I mean, yeah, sure. Do that. But if you're just going to school to go and you don't know what you're doing with it, man, there's a, there's a whole lot of jobs out there that are paying six figures right now. that could use you and you can create a heck of a life with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think, you know, having worked in the construction industry, uh, in the oil and gas sector, uh, and also in the defence sector, um, building buildings, is it, it's a there's a certain mindset in the workforce that work on construction sites. That's all about getting things done, um, and just you know just doing you know that early morning rise, the plan of the day meetings, the 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 being resilient in the context of the weathers that you have to endure mm -hmm. uh, and all of the procedures that you have to go to, through as well uh, in the context of getting something built is, is quite unique, unique compared to non-construction related industries or, or you know, um, trade industries. It, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to consider in order to put your trade into practice and be successful at it and be safe at it yeah well it's, it's, it's very easy to you know to not uh not is it very easy so sometimes we don't appreciate the value that that brings uh in the context of the experiences that you've earned in life and as you you're absolute testament to that and obviously all of the other uh uh, workers out there that do this it is it's it's a tough job um but an incredibly fulfilling and rewarding one at the same time yeah so 
you know, remember the control thing that I said before. There's a lot of things about your life that you can control when you're working with your hands and when you're working for yourself or whatever, you know. But the, the stand back moment is what's important as well. So, you know, when I'm out there landscaping and I did a lot of this, when, when you're out there landscaping a beautiful house and you're putting, you know, big rocks in front, stone and whatever, you're putting pine trees in and you're making a little creek or a river um, and you're, you know, you're mulching and putting flowers and bushes in. At the end of the day, you get to lean back on your shovel and look at that and go, wow, I created that. That's going to stand the test of time. It's called the stand back moment. And I don't think you get that in an office setting sometimes when you're you're just one small part of a very big operation and you don't really know how you fit. So, you know, don't don't discount the satisfaction that you get when you're out there doing something with and for yourself. Now, that comes with responsibility because no one's going to get you out of bed. But you I get that. Um, and some people feel secure in a more corporate setting scenario. And that's fine. But I think what they miss is that ability to control every aspect of your life. And that's just wholly important and to me. It is anyway. And it's also financially rewarding because, you know, if you're a contrarian thinker, which I think people should be, if everybody's going one way, you want, might want to go the other way because doing something that everybody else isn't willing to do is that's where the money is. And that's, what's going to help fund your future. That's for sure. I'd love to dive in just briefly. Cause I know we're sort of running out of time. It is the three, uh, elements of your triangle which is the comfort peace and freedom aspects to life I wonder if you could just give us a, a quick deep dive into each of those as to what they actually mean and how they can be applied in the context of achieving your vision for those so, so I actually built a course around this that that people can take to, to change how they think about what their future is so again if you're looking at um what you want your life to look like, I think you should consider three things. You should consider comfort, not just comfort in your pajamas on the couch or sitting watching TV, but are you comfortable with who you are? Are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you comfortable with how you portray yourself to others? Are you comfortable with how they see you? And you can work on all those things to make yourself, you know, where, where you would walk into a room and say, I'm good with who I am. I'm the best version of Ken that I could possibly be. Okay. Now, if you take that one and then you go into peace, well, you know, if I can control my emotions, you know, peace could be considered not at war, right? Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking if, if you have the ability to say, I'm going to choose joy, I'm going to choose happiness, I'm going to choose wonder, I'm going to choose anticip anticipation, I'm going to choose discovery and curiosity versus all those other ones, then I can create a stress a more stress-free life, okay? I can I can get on top of all my bills and all my obligations and I can get out in front of that stuff. I have a picture of where I'm going and what I want my life to look like so my mind is now at peace, okay? Now, if you couple those two things up together, it gives you a certain amount of freedom now to use your brain to do all those other things. Be spontaneous, okay? Tell somebody that you love them. Tell someone you want to go out to lunch with them. Go visit somebody, Take your dog for a walk, you know, wash your car, sit in the backyard on a lounge chair and do nothing but listen to the birds. I mean, it allows you to do those spontaneous things, which gives you a lot of freedom because in, in, in choices, there's freedom. And if you if you combine all those three together, I think that's what our perfect nirvana should be. It should be to go after those types of things and um, and those concepts. And and again, you know, I did this with my book for one very good reason. And I'll quickly tell you that when people read a book, a lot of times they put that book on, up on the shelf and it's almost like a trophy. OK, it's like a fish that they caught and they mounted it and put it up on the wall. Right. So they can't sometimes even remember what's in the book, but they have all these books on the shelf. So you ask, <laughs> well, how did that particular book help you in your life? I don't know. I just read it. OK, so. I put this this course together um, because I wanted people to almost be forced to change. Once they read my book, I wanted them to say, OK, now I'm going to force myself to change the way I look at my future. And even down to the price of this thing, which is I've seen courses for three thousand dollars, five thousand. No, this course is ninety nine dollars and it 
it, it gets you a free $25 book, Blue Collar Cash. But if you buy it, you can also give one away to a friend or a neighbor or a relative or a loved one who are for free. So it, it, I did this to help people shorten the learning curve to entrepreneurship or to happiness or to control or to vision. So just know that if you decide to do that, you're not only going to help yourself, but you're going to help somebody else in the process. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us who've been given gifts or who've been successful to give back to others. And that's just what I'm trying to do. I do know. I love that. And I love the fact that you make making it accessible for all. Yeah. Um, which is so important because um, I think, you know, that the analogy of the book is it's so easy, isn't it, to read a book and put it up on the shelf. And, you know, people say, oh, I've read that, but they've not done it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you can do a lot of reading, but no applying. <laughs> Which comes back to education, doesn't it? You know, the, the, the analogy of education before we started recording is, you know, you said, oh, I haven't, haven't got an edu education in brain health. And I said, it doesn't matter. You've got the on, on the job experience, the learning and learning, you know, is 70 percent of your experiences on the job, uh, not not from books. And so it's about applying what you've learned is so important. Uh, and obviously learning from people who've applied what they've learned <laughs> through their own personal experience and being successful at it is the best way uh, to learn is from those that have achieved the outcomes that they, they wanted in life. So absolutely think that's such a so great that people have got ac access to that and they can share it with others. What What one piece of advice would you uh, give to anybody who is really struggling with creating that vision in life giving this show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain and and sometimes people can get really stuck can't they in in creating that vision that they want for the future or maybe something's holding them back from doing that what, what would your piece of advice be to people like that i would just say that you know again I will, I'll, I'll ask you this, doctor. What is your favorite color? Pink. Okay, your favorite color is pink. There's no way I would have known that, right? My <laughs> favorite color is blue. The, the, the beauty about that is we all have our own favorite things, okay? And you and only you know what you're passionate about. You and only you know what your favorite color or favorite anything in life is. You and only you know what you'd be good at. You and only you know how you'd like to spend your life and what that perfect nirvana looks like. And um, and and you and only you know what that puzzle box cover could be. So so forget about what other people are telling you and forgetting about what society is expecting you to do and forgetting about going down well-worn paths that everyone else is because they tell you you have to sit down, get in a quiet space, ease your mind and just start figuring out what you want your life to look like, because that is the most important driver you're ever going to have in your life is your vision of what you could be. And I think that's what's important. And it's easy to do. It's free to do. And, you know, we all have the power within us to do that. So, you know, go find that place, focus on you, be selfish. And I don't mean at the detriment of others, but focus on self, meaning you. And then go 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 pick out what what you would want your life to look like, and then make it happen one step at a time. Yeah, I love that. I love that, um, Ken. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. How can people get hold of you and learn more and buy your course, uh, which is like you said, only ninety nine dollars, and it includes the book as well, which is amazing. Yeah, if you go to kenrusk.com, you'll see where you can get the course and the book, and you can also donate one to somebody else. And um, yeah, you just go right to KenRust.com and you'll see the page there to um, to get the course. And, and you'll learn more about what we're up to at the same time. Because um, again, my whole mission in life now is to shorten the learning curve for people to, to gain happiness or to gain confidence or to gain entrepreneurship or whatever it is. And um, that's just one quick way to start. Yeah. Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed the topic of conversation. My cheeks are hurting from <laughs> smiling and, and reliving some of my experience from the past. And, and if there's anything I can do to support you or, or those that, that, that you are supporting, um, I'd love to connect after this and, 
and see how we can work together. So thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. You're most welcome. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like and share this episode and leave a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for opportunities to optimise your brain health or unchain your pain from a past trauma, make sure you visit my website www.ruthmaryallen.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout to get 10% off all programs. And always remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. You have the power to unchain your pain and optimize your brain power and performance so that you can win back energy and time doing what you love.